Hi, everyone. My name is Shelly. Welcome to my podcast called What About OT? I have today my good friend, Alvin. We've known each other since college, and today our topic is career changes. We're going to be talking about what we experienced and how it felt to walk away from something that no longer served us, and um, we're going to be talking about what we learned and even the fears that we had. So welcome, Alvin. Thank you for talking to me today. Yeah, thank you for having me as part of this podcast. I'm excited um, to talk about this topic. I know. So, Alvin, I understand you and I have very similar experiences of switching careers or job settings. Um, we have experience in walking away from something, um, telling a manager, you know, about the change. My experience was that I've been an occupational therapist for two years, and within those two years, I've worked in seven different workplaces. Uh, that includes four different types of OT work settings. I've worked at a skilled nursing facility. I've worked at an older adult community day center. I've worked at online therapy for pediatrics and currently an inpatient psychiatric hospital. Could you share with us what you've experienced with your career changes starting from undergraduate, like what you studied and what your experience was? Yeah. um, So for me, when I was an undergrad, you know, I felt like going into picking a college, it was really like you had to have a major selected and most of us would just kind of pick whatever subject we either disliked the least from school or just felt more interested in. And so I picked biology. Um, I always had an interest in science. And so that kind of was like what I decided for myself to go into, even though I didn't truly understand what my long-term career options were going to be graduating with that. And so, you know, I went into school and then I decided I was going to go and try to become an optometrist, like an eye doctor. So Mm -hmm. um, basically I applied in my junior year. I got in by my senior year. So after I graduated from college, I then Mm -hmm. took a break in the summer and then moved to New York City to go to school, essentially, to become an eye doctor. And during that time, I mean, before I even had moved over there, I was like super anxious and nervous. And like, I had never witnessed such strong physical symptoms of like something being wrong, you know? And I think it was really crazy because at one point I even thought that I had some sort of like autoimmune disorder, like Mm -hmm. just every day was so difficult. And, and, and I didn't know at the time, but looking back now, I think it was really just something manifesting and it was, you know, my inner mind telling me that something is not right, basically, right? And that I should have listened to it sooner, I think, looking back now, um, to really understand that it was my body telling me something was up, right? Um, I also think at the time I didn't fully understand that I had the opportunity to change things. So, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I got into school. I went went there for a month basically. And it was during that month where I kind of was realizing like, like, yeah, it's great to meet all these new people and like learning new stuff. But at the same time, I still did not feel like I was in the right place. Like Mm -hmm. I just felt like something was really off. Um, and so I ended up realizing that I don't think that that was what I was meant to do for the rest of my life since it is a huge commitment for a career. Um, and then I decided to leave and then from there, I went into software engineering, got into the tech world, 
Um, and then after doing that for a bit, I kind of realized like, you know, I did value that sort of innovation that the industry had, Mm -hmm. but, um, at the same time, I don't think that it allowed me to leverage the strengths that I know I have and really do want to, um, further nurture and grow. So that's why I realized that I should have just, I decided to leave also, and then did a little bit of, um, self-reflection and realized that, um, out of either of my options of going into HR or like user experience design, um, both industries which were more empathetic than you know engineering, mm-hmm. which is a top strength of mine, um, I decided to go into user experience design, and um, yeah, and so that's kind of where I am currently. And I definitely feel like my current role leverages a lot more of my strengths and challenges me in ways that are still difficult but I'm more willing I think to overcome those over time and can see my and really truly envision myself becoming like an expert in the things that I'm currently still you know on the fence about or a little bit nervous of Mm -hmm. um, in terms of my role first of all congrats on your journey because getting into optometry school like that was probably really difficult to do and then making the move from California to New York City yeah that's a big change um you mentioned the physical symptoms that you felt Mm -hmm. that made you realize you know what this path might not be for me Mm -hmm. could you elaborate on like what you felt and and what your body was telling you at that time yeah so I feel like you know a lot of the stresses at the time um, that I wasn't fully aware of, but reasons for why I think I was feeling so much reluctance to move forward with going to optometry school was just because, like, it was so much money. Like, mm-hmm. my parents are both working immigrants, and I felt that, yeah, as the first one in our family to go to college, like, I don't want to put be a huge financial burden on top of them, right? And then on top of that, the schooling would be four years and then could be additional time on top of that for things like residency and whatnot. Um, and then also just that feeling of potentially I would be locked in into this career for the rest of my life because of how much effort, time, and money it takes to even commit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, all of this was manifesting through, first I think it was mental in the beginning, and then maybe I got really good at being in denial, and then eventually it started to come out as more physical. Um, like I would have a really dry mouth, mm-hmm. like there were times when I would feel suddenly super um, nauseous, you know, um, really low energy. Um, it was, it was, there's just so many things like I can't even fully recall anymore, but I just truly remember being, being like, this is not who I am normally. Mm -hmm. I've never felt this way before. Um, it's so interesting looking back because like, I was just totally convinced that it was a physical ailment mm-hmm. right and that it didn't originally or um like originate from the mind so um over time now I think I'm like more aware of when this is happening that it's my gut reaction telling me something um and like there's different I've noticed there's different levels for like if I wait too long and not take any action then like these symptoms can start to like multiply, right? Or mm-hmm. get more intense and in, in severity. Um, and so I think that's one of my big motivations for why I did so many career changes was because when I started to feel those symptoms, like they were starting to be very familiar and um, I knew what it could become, right? If mm-hmm. I let it continue. And so I felt like there was no other choice for me but to to leave and either take time to myself first or to look for something that 
resonated with me a lot more. Mm -hmm. So in your experience, you picked optometry school in the beginning thinking Mm -hmm. it was your path. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard to walk away because you had mentioned your parents were working immigrants. And so it was a lot of money to change that career, but also a lot of money to stay and commit to that four-year school commitment. Um, That resonates with my experience too as an occupational therapist. You know, when I'm first starting out, we're both Asian Americans and the roots in our family structure is to get a job, make money and stability. Exactly. Stability, consistency. And it was so hard for me to also switch settings and move. Mm -hmm. I was working at the skilled nursing facility and I, I was like, I felt the same way you did where I was like, you know what, this isn't really my path. I don't, I don't vibe with this environment right now, but I also feel guilty for leaving Mm -hmm. and changing it. And do you feel that guilt too when you, when you left optometry and Mm -hmm. then you went into software engineering, which is also a really good job too, but that switch, how did you feel? Yeah. I mean, I think at the time it had gotten to a point where I just felt so, overwhelmed and you know I think I was feeling a little bit upset I was like why am I in this current situation like even at one point feeling like I was trying to look for something or someone to blame but I realized like at the end of the day I really could blame myself right like I made the decision I committed to it no one forced me to go to optometry school Um, but upon realizing that it it helped simplify things because then I was like well then I have to be the one to make the change right because I'm the one that got me into this Um, and so I think that was really empowering to to realize that it was with my own, within my own power for me to do something about it. Um, and, you know, I kind of went through different options and thought of, like, different plan Bs. And then um, I had the conversation with my parents, you know. And thankfully, like, I was very fortunate that they were very supportive. I think they could tell, um, and they could already sense, even before I moved over to New York, right, I was experiencing those symptoms. I wasn't sure what was going on during that summer. Um, and they... Could, they, they were concerned, right? And so mm-hmm. I feel like at the end of the day, they just really cared about me being happy. Um, and I think ultimately it also was a great benefit because I ended up getting that chance for them to prove to them that I could do make this right, basically, right? Like for myself um, and put in that work and effort needed to uh, find my next step, right? And then do something about it. So um, yeah, I think there was a little bit of guilt there just in terms of, um, you know, will I have already wasted some of my family resources? But then at the same time, like, I mean, it's better to save the rest now than to waste even more moving forward, right? right? That's so, so true. I think for me, like, that was one of the reasons that helped me just make the decision right away because I felt like, yes, I made a top time to school. Um, my brother actually had even recommended that I just continue because I'd mm-hmm. already started, right? And it just made the most sense. And I... And that was interesting to me because it was like someone else in my immediate family, but telling me completely opposite advice, right, from what my parents were saying, Mm -hmm. which more aligned with what I was trying to do, which was leave. And so um, at the end of the day, I think like that was a moment where I really had to turn inwards again and be like, okay, you know, like at the surface, both of those pieces of advice make sense, right? But when I looked inside, like I had a very strong um, internal feeling that, like, I didn't want to continue to just push through, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I thought about it for a second, and then again, I 
something, I don't even know how to describe the feeling, but it like manifests within and I'm just like, it's, it's telling me that it's not the right decision. Right. Um, and so that was really a huge learning experience for me to realize how to actually listen to myself. Um, and even, you know, at that point, um, be aligned like with my body and like what it's telling me, because I think there's a very big connection between the mind and the body, right? Like we learned this through yoga, like Mm -hmm. at that point I had been doing yoga, I think for like about a year. And even early on then, like I was very attuned to the feelings that I was feeling and and how that was coming out physically. I think that's important. Like Mm -hmm. yoga taught you how to be mindful of how Mm -hmm. you were feeling and the environment that you're in. And I get where your brother's coming from, kind of like, you know, Alvin, you already got this far. You're in this school, this really great school. Like, why not just finish Mm -hmm. so that you're not, you didn't, like, quote, unquote, waste the whole time, you know, preparing for that, the applications. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I agree with you. The way I see it, it's like, well, if you figure out that you're not happy with it right now, Mm -hmm. you can make a change now before spending five to 10 years doing it and being unhappy and then having to make that switch again. And so similar to you, I feel really lucky that I recognized how I felt about, you know, my first OT job at the SNF, the skilled nursing facility. I left that job three months into it like that was my first job out of school and like I felt so bad about myself too because I started questioning myself like can I just not commit or something like why would I leave my first job out of school after a couple of months Mm -hmm. but the way I see it I just was like I'm gonna be unhappy if I continue staying here and then that to me is time wasted exactly yeah and I felt the same way you know I think at that point I was like you know what, like, even if you think about it logically, I should, I could leave, try other things, and if at the the end of the day I really wanted to pursue optometry again, I could just apply and get back in, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I think when I weighed the different options, like, that was still very much a viable way to do it, right? I knew the likelihood of that happening was probably pretty low, right? But um, I think by formulating all these different potential scenarios, it helped me better decide what was the right decision for me because I think a lot of the times when people are caught in a difficult place they end up feeling like oh well I'm stuck in a fork in the road and like I'm gonna pick one way or another Mm -hmm. and my life will be completely different depending on which one I pick and that is potentially true but also you will never fully know right because we don't live in all these alternate universes um and from my experience now I just realize and think the best option is to pick the one that you feel the most comfortable or confident in that resonates with you mm-hmm. um and then just trust that you can pivot and things will work themselves out as you go along right like it's not always a sharp fork in the road that you can never turn around right exactly and so i feel like by understanding that you don't then don't feel like it's like you're making a life or death decision exactly yeah. for my experience when i went from the sniff working with older adults i changed my work setting Mm -hmm. and started working in an adult day center still with older adults. So I'm still within that same, um, work setting. Yeah. The same similar work setting. Now your experience is from optometry to software engineer, Mm -hmm. which has its differences. Did you worry about what employers might ask about, Mm -hmm. you know, the distinction in your resume or, you know, why did you change your 
careers so drastically. Yeah. I, so at the time when I decided to leave optometry, I didn't actually know what I wanted to do next. So what happened was I, you know, I left, I told the school, um, they helped me make it official. And then after that, I was actually about to move back to California and just come home because that was kind of the reason I was out there in the first place. But one of my family friends who lived in New York at the time and had helped me settle in, she suggested, you know, why not just look for a job and stay here, you know? And um, for me, it was like realizing that I think I might have secretly used the school there to have the opportunity to move to New York City, which I've Mm -hmm. always dreamed of living in. Um, But yeah, at that point, I never thought about that. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's, I should totally do that, right? And that's kind of when I accepted that. I was basically starting my journey of taking control of my life, right? And doing whatever I could to to get what I want, you know? And so I think that was a very consistent theme for me. And the more that I did it, the more that I was able to prove to myself that I actually do have the potential to, you know, impact change in the way that I want to see. That's and right. so, you know, I ended up getting a job, not doing anything technical, interning essentially at a startup in New York City. Mm-hmm. And that was where I got my first exposure to all things basically like it started like technology related. Yeah. Um, and I think when I was going through the interview process for that, like, yes, they were kind of asking me and, you know, I did have a lot of work experience cause I just graduated from, from undergrad not long mm-hmm. ago. So, um, all I really think I remember doing was just really talking up my qualities, my skills, right? Like what I was capable of, um, and not really focusing on specifically like what I had studied. Right. Um, and at the end of the day, like I'm realizing that that is what your selling point is like in the working world, right? It doesn't matter what industry or whatever you were in before. I feel like you're trying to sell your adaptability, right? Mm-hmm. Through different jobs that you went through and things like that, which is kind of like what happened to you, um, to showcase your resilience. Right. And I think at the end of the day, resilience is a concept that uh, all employers would really value in potential employee. Yeah, for sure. There's flexibility in change and change is so scary. But the fact that we have courage to confront the truth, to say, you know what, this isn't my thing anymore and that's okay. And ultimately this journey is about you Mm -hmm. and, you know, what you're trying to figure out about yourself, your goals and your values and finding a workplace that matches that. Right. So, um, as far as the switch from optometry to software engineer mm-hmm. and adapting to a new technological environment. Yeah. Did you feel any type of regret in a new environment? Like, Oh, you know what? I made the switch and now I kind of feel like going back or mm-hmm. now I feel like this also isn't for me. Mm-hmm. What was your experience with that? When you, when you got into the technology technology field, Yeah, so I don't think I ever felt that I regretted and kind of wish I went back to optometry, um, which was, like, pretty good because I think it showed for me that, like, you know, I I was making a step in the right direction. Um, But, yeah, I mean, for me realizing that still software engineering and technology wasn't right for me, uh, that was, like, another thing, right? I think um, I didn't feel as bad about myself because... I think I'd already done it once, right? So I knew that if I was going to do another discovery again, um, 
it wasn't as scary because I've already survived one time, right? But at the same time, I think there was a part of me that was like, oh, am I going to feel bad now that I'm doing it again? And, you know, there was a little bit of that worry that you mentioned, like, how will employers in the future kind of look at this and and what will they assume about me? Will they think I'm someone who just, like, cannot commit and, like, is not stable? Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I feel like, again, it was like, looking back at what my accomplishments have been so far, right? And also realizing, worrying about what employers are going to think about you is not going to help you get the job that's yeah. right for you, or mm-hmm. the right opportunity, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the biggest thing for me was just realizing that and learning, you know, like you really can't worry about things like this because mm-hmm. one, there's no set linear path or like hard um, requirement for how one should progress in their career, right? I mean, some people may think that there is because there's a majority of people following the same path, but by no means has anyone ever said that that was the right way, Exactly. Right? And so I think it was really just understanding that, um, you know, you do you, and if the employer can understand and like your story resonates with them, mm-hmm. you know, that's the person you want to work for. Exactly. And they're not going to judge you for those changes that you made based off of how you, however it is that you tell your story. Right. That's so true. So I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is like, you shouldn't think in the way where it's like, well, what will employers think? Because by saying that already, you're putting the power in their hands. But remember, like interviewing is a two-way street like you're evaluating them as much as they're they're evaluating you right exactly I think that's so important to keep in mind because you know as new grads we tend to view jobs as something like oh my gosh I just got this new job like Mm -hmm. I can't believe I got this I don't even know if I'm ready I don't even know if I deserve this and we we see it as like we're putting this job on a pedestal but you know what we have to understand what it serves us for You know, like, why are we taking this job? What does this job do for me? Right, exactly. And so when I was working my second OT work setting at the adult day center, I actually left that job about eight months into it because I realized that the management style Mm -hmm. just wasn't matching my my goals, my my mission, my values. Mm -hmm. And so that was also really hard to walk away from because as a new grad, with very limited work experience, I was, I thought that employers knew more than I did. I felt like I didn't know much. So I was like, wait, if I'm not vibing with this manager's style, does that mean that something's wrong with me? Yeah. So in your experience, how important is it to you that managers have the same goal, the same style that matches your working ability? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I'm currently now in my first like product designer role, like working in a a different field, right? Different from software engineering. Um, And so far, like I love the work. I really feel like it uses a lot more of my strengths and like I can see the opportunities to nurture the skills that I do want to continue to develop. Um, But I do think that one of the current challenges I've been facing is, you know, I have a manager and um, I think that it, it's just interesting. I don't feel like we're totally vibing on the same wavelength. Um, and at one point I was kind of like, oh, you know, should I look for another opportunity? Right. Mm-hmm. But I was lucky enough to already get this one. And I just started recently. Um, and so the way that I've kind of been trying to look at it is even though I don't think that the manager is what 
kind of my ideal manager would be. Mm-hmm. I still feel like there is a lot of learning opportunity here to take what I can and what I want away from that person still, despite, you know, they in general are not someone who I would consider a exactly. good manager, right? Like there's differences, right? but you can still learn from them. Exactly. Yeah. And so like for now, I think I will continue doing that until maybe I got to the point where I feel like I've learned everything from them that I wanted to learn from them. And then at that point, I can make the decision to leave, right? To, yeah. Or get another manager that, like, hopefully vibes more with what I'm looking for. And yeah. so, you know, I think it's an example of where um, you can't always have instant gratification, I think, with mm-hmm. things like this, right? Like, sometimes you're given a situation that you just need to kind of work with. and Exactly. You know, it's not bad mm-hmm. to stick it out for a bit, I think, as long as you can make it something that's still beneficial for you, right? I think that's so important. And that's basically what I did too. After the adult day center, I was like, okay, this management style isn't matching me. So I got a job for online therapy where I never met my manager because I worked remotely. My manager was across America somewhere in a different state. And, and I have to say like that management experience is by far one of the most positive relationships I've had, even not meeting the manager face to face. But I think it's just so interesting how we become more confident in staying with certain jobs or, or allowing certain experiences to happen to us because we're more sure of it. We have more of an attitude of, you know what, I'm going to do online therapy or you're going to work with your manager because there's Mm -hmm. still something that you can gain from this experience. And then when you're ready and you're done with that experience, you then can walk away. Exactly. Like you draw the boundaries for yourself essentially. Right. I think one by maybe sticking it out to like gain whatever more you may think there is to learn. You're showing yourself that you're resilient, right? You're adapting to this situation where it's probably not the most ideal, but in a way that still benefits you and you don't feel like, Oh, you're sticking around because I have to be around for at least a year for this job, even though it's toxic. Right. Yeah. And so I think like, that's like, you have to understand kind of what the boundary looks like for you because, um, you know, you could try to stick it out and then realize like, you know, it's just getting really bad for my mental health. Exactly. And maybe you didn't learn all the things that you thought you did want to learn. But at that point, that's a good enough and high priority reason to leave then. So I think it's very much like you should be flexible, um, but like within the boundaries that you set for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because like if you don't have to set those boundaries, right, like other people will set them for you. Yes. Those managers could set them for you. Exactly. And if they don't get you, you know, it's probably not going to be in a way that really – vibes with the, the way you want to work right yeah. and so you won't be productive you won't be effective it, it ends up being um kind of a lose-lose for everyone yeah right? and ultimately it's your life like is mm-hmm. this how you want to be spending 40 hours a week of your time your oh. energy your skills yeah it's scary and i'm sure a lot of our listeners might be experiencing this this dilemma in their life where they say, you know what, I've been at this job for five plus years, I get benefits, I get a paycheck so I can, you know, pay my rent, pay my bills. How are you telling me to walk away from this? Mm -hmm. And and where am I going to find another job or another experience that I can, that I can work in? Like what for those listeners out there who do feel that fear and are not yet ready to leave? Like, what do you recommend um, 
what do you recommend them to do in order to practice setting boundaries and mm-hmm. to make a change in their life? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that the first thing that I would recommend is to just look at those things that you're listing out as like, you're telling me to leave these things. Like, do I want to do that? Right. And maybe prioritize that list and see like, what are the ones that are most important to you? And you need to weigh the trade-offs, right? Mm -hmm. So are the cons that you're experiencing in that job then worth those things that you've listed, right? If they, you know, if you think like, yeah, the pros outweigh them, then like stick it through, right? Because clearly you know what, what holds value for you. But if they don't, then the chances are you could find those elsewhere too, right? I mean, you may assume you can't, but you don't know because you've never tried yet, right? Um, And I think this goes back to that thing where it's like a lot of people are very comfortable or they would rather stick with something they're familiar with, even though it's negative, Mm -hmm. than venture into the unknown to find something that's more positive, right? And my two cents is to just go for it, right? Because, like, at least you could try. And in most stories and cases I've heard from other people, like, they usually have the opportunity to go back to that previous job. Exactly. You know, been vetted once, basically. Yeah, and like you said, people's paths are typically non-linear. Exactly. Like, we have this expectation based on society, based on our family, based on our friends that... Mm -hmm. That we should be working at the same job for like 40 years yeah. in order to provide for our family and like Love. get better at yeah. one job. But what's to say that it's wrong to work multiple jobs to gain multiple skills? Yeah. Like you, you have a variety of experience to offer. Right. And I don't think that's a bad thing to see variety on a resume, but based on the society and our culture today in America, like it seems that people prefer consistency. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And I think, you know, I mean, even for you, right, like you're still working in OT and you changed to all these different types of OT, Mm -hmm. right? And that, you know, one could argue that you were consistent still because you're working in OT, right? Right. But you did different settings. And so that's where I feel like at the end of the day, it's more around like, how are you crafting your story about those different experiences? Because you can make it convincing, right? Exactly. And I feel like that's the biggest thing, right? Because once you can create connection between maybe the different experiences that you had that someone else might look at and feel like these are just all random. But then another person could hear your story and be like, whoa, like all of that totally made sense. Right. Like it was so cause and effect. Um, you were clearly aware when you were making these changes. I think that that's the biggest thing. And again, like if an employer can see that in your story and like really resonate with the way that you approached everything, then they can really see the value that you can bring, right? And, like, the the true adaptability that you have as an individual. That's so true. It's, like, language is so important in how you convey your story and your experiences. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, an interview, like, you're interviewing with a bunch of different types of managers. Right. It's basically a time for you to shine, a time for you to sell yourself, to sell your skills, and... I mean, that's the truth. It's the that's truth. what like, it is. You got to sell yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's how it works. Unfortunately, I think like you know, in, in like America, like it, it's people really resonate. I think off of stories like this, and so it really is the opportunity that we have, you know, as Asian Americans living in this country, mm-hmm. to leverage that, right? Because I don't think it's necessarily the same case everywhere else, right? Like I do think it's very context specific, but. Um, you know, currently people are growing into the idea and understanding that having diverse perspectives is really something that shapes like a person to better 
be prepared for problem solving. Exactly. Right? So, um, you know, as society starts to, as a whole, understand the value in that, I think it'll make it even easier. But in a way, like, you could say that we're kind of the forerunners, right, yeah. of this because, you know, maybe we're the first person that mm-hmm. a hiring manager has ever encountered who has, like, such interesting variety of experiences. Um, but if you're able to kind of sell them on that, then, like, they move forward with being more open-minded to other candidates similar to us, right? Yeah. So I do think that there's, like, change that's happening. Um, and it's and it's really great to see just because, uh, I think it was unfortunate to feel that as an 18 year old high school graduate, mm-hmm. everything that you picked was going to have to be a linear commitment for the rest of your it's life. It's so scary. Yeah. And that's not how life works, right? It's not. It's just that people don't talk about it enough. Yeah. So I feel like the more we talk about it and normalize it, the better it's going to be for like the next generation, right? Yeah, exactly. And like based on your experience and my experience of change and saying, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. I'm going to try something else and it's scary, but let's go for it. Like looking back now, do you feel that your confidence level has been altered based on these changed and by you taking action and initiative to do that? Yeah. Oh my God. I, and like, I don't want to brag, you know, know, but I'm also just like, (laughs) you know, I feel like I could do anything at this point. Like it's crazy. Like, yes, I'm new to this industry that I've just switched into, but you know, I keep forgetting like what I've already gone through to get here, you know? And there are other people in my life who like kind of have been aware and like, they'll remind me and, and, or tell me that they admire that I've been able to do that. And it's kind of crazy because like I mentioned earlier, for me, it's always been like, I mean, I had no other choice. I felt like yeah. there was no other option, right? Yeah. But that was exactly the reason why I was able to make those jumps because, like, one, it felt like there was no other option for me. And so mm-hmm. I just put all my energy into making that jump happen, right? Um, I think there's a lot that has to do with luck as well that plays into it. But yeah. I'm obviously not going to discredit the amount of effort and, like, dedication of time and energy that I put in as well to make sure that I was going to be available for any of those opportunities that like luck may bring my way for sure so you know I think the biggest piece of advice nowadays I feel like I can give to people is just to make sure that you are constantly giving yourself credit for like how much you've done so far Mm -hmm. um and just make sure that you're continually putting yourself out there because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day you know life will work its way out I truly Mm -hmm. believe that you know looking back all the things happened to me for a reason Um, there were moments where I even feel like, oh, well, what if I just knew I wanted to go into design from the beginning when Mm -hmm. I was in college and then Mm -hmm. major in it. But then if I did that, like, yeah, I maybe could be further down, further up the the ladder for like, um, being a manager or like a lead or director. Um, but then at what cost, right? Like I would have missed out on all of that, those opportunities to reflect and, and grow as an individual and learn more about myself and my, my, um, limits yeah. And so I really kind of feel like it just was meant to happen in this way. Yeah. And now I, I've accepted that. That's that's so awesome. Like you are resilient because of your journey, because of yeah. the the choices you made to change, right. to initiate something new, a new chapter in your life, and I completely agree with you. Like looking back now when I graduated OT school, mm-hmm. I was so, you know, we have imposter syndrome. Like, we're just like, I don't know how to do this. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. And I'm, it's scary. But then because I walked away from different settings and I was like certain that I wasn't, this wasn't for me. And I tried something new. Right. I feel totally 
confident in problem solving, like you said, and approaching new situations. And I feel that this change affected me, my personality as a person and as a therapist. Like I feel way more confident about the way I carry myself, Mm. the way I talk. And I agree with you that my advice is to just embrace the change to just go for it. And life itself will work out. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you too, you know, for your experiences of transitioning through all these different settings and OT what has been some of the realizations that you've had, I guess, with yourself and, you know, your gut feeling or feeling like whether or not you need to make a jump? Mm-hmm. Thanks for asking that. That's a good question and a good way for me to reflect, too, on my journey. I was kind of similar to you where I had these physical symptoms of not liking something. Um, and actually, I want to change that. I'm going to... I'm going to focus more on the emotional symptoms because the physical symptoms were there, but mostly I noticed that my mood and my energy were all the way down. Like I would be driving home from a job that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Well, like from a work setting that I didn't like. And I would be like zoned out. I feel like I was a zombie Zombies, driving yeah. home. Like I completely forget about that drive because my mind is like, my brain is like mush after right. work. Like, I felt yeah like autopilot like I had no emotion and I was like you know usually I'm a very energetic bright person and I'm like what's going on and you know for me when I vent that's how I handle my situations I talk to people I trust and I notice that my topic of conversations would always be about work complaints and it's like why do I keep going back to this because this isn't for me this isn't matching me anymore and I'm tired of going in circles complaining about it like I have to do something about it but right now currently I'm working in inpatient psychiatric hospital which I love I love mental health in OT I love being you know around this population and doing the OT groups for this population Mm -hmm. but there's also something that's missing and I'm still trying to figure that out but you know, I think the first step is being aware of how you feel, you know, recognizing that feeling. There's no self-blame, no guilt here yet. It's just, okay, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. What should I do about it now? Mm -hmm. And I just feel like my OT journey is still continuing. This isn't the end. Like, and it's such an interesting realization that why do I keep jumping from this to this to that? Like, why can't I stay in one thing Mm -hmm. but instead of asking that as like it's a burden I can just say you know what I am just trying to figure out what's for me right now yeah and and you can like a lot of things I'm gaining experience exactly yeah like there's this concept that my friend had told me about which I never heard of before but it's called being like a multi-potentialite right (gasps) yes and I think I really much resonated with it when I was hearing about what it really involved I mean it's essentially that one person can be good at many things right and along the lines of like us not feeling that you know job paths or careers even need to be linear this kind of works with that right Mm -hmm. because you know by understanding and accepting that we may be people who tend to just be good at a lot of different things and also liking to try a lot of different experiences that 
is something that we should be confident in, you know? Exactly. And it's funny that society was trying to make us almost feel guilty for it. Yeah. So I definitely feel like that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to commit to optometry because I just felt in my mind, even at the bright age of 22 as a fresh guy with no work oh experience yet, I remember that, those days. <laughs> yeah, that like there was so much ahead of me that I would, like I still have yet to try and do and I just didn't want to feel locked down, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, I think by recognizing that now, it makes uh, me look at my variety of experiences in a more positive way. Yes. Um, Because we've done it a few times now. We've done it several times, and we've seen the sort of learnings that we've got to get from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you mentioned, like, you know, you're asking yourself, why does it seem like you're not someone who can, like, just commit or stay in one place? But it's also that maybe we're just learning so much and growing so much that what we need is constantly changing, right? Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. If anything, like, we're getting the amount of change that someone might get in the span of, like, 10 years, but, like, within a year, you know? Yeah. So it may seem like it's a negative because it's so rare or, like, we don't know many of the people that are going through this. But what if the way that we're doing it is actually the right way or the best way amazing perspective because i agree everyone around me a lot of my ot colleagues have stayed in the same like work setting and then they've just gotten better and better at that setting but as for me it's like i spend a couple months here in this setting then a couple months there and then i'm just trying to figure out like what makes my heart go on fire like what is it that gives me the passion that i'm like I can talk about on and on and on, you know? And I think, you know, like for me, at least within the field of design, like there's this concept called the T-shaped model, right? It's Mm -hmm. the T-shaped career development model, I guess, which makes it sound way more technical than than it needs to. But essentially the way it works is, you know, there's a lot of different aspects of the job as a designer. Um, There's different areas of focus, right? Probably similar to how any career works. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how it works is basically, you know, you start off kind of focusing on breath first, which means you're trying out all the different aspects, you're learning what they are, you're getting your feet wet in in each of them, Um, and that's kind of the top part of the T, right? Mm -hmm. And then after that, you end up deciding which one you want to dive deeper into and kind of become an expert in. And so that's the bottom half of the T. So essentially, you Mm -hmm. end up starting with breath, understanding what the space has, and then from there, picking right? What you feel like, um, is an area of expertise that you want to develop and be like a master in and then going into that. So at the end of the day, it's like, you're still aware of all the different opportunities that exist, but you're also now a go-to for the specific one that you feel like, like you said, like sets your heart on fire. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting method. The Mm -hmm. T-shaped method. Yeah. And you guys use that in design. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it's, I guess you could apply to any job. I Uh first heard it though, when I was like, you know, talking to other designers, trying to figure out how to approach the job search. Um, and then, you know, when asked in interviews, I kind of like, what was I looking to learn? Like, what is my five-year plan? Like things like that. Yeah. Um, then I would refer to this model because I feel like it kind of aligns with, how I see myself mm-hmm. developing my skills. So, um, yeah, I do think it's very applicable to, like, any industry as well. For sure. I mean, life is all about figuring things out. Right. Trial and error. Exactly. Problem solving. We don't know everything yet. Yeah. And just being patient with our journey. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as, like, a 
bad mistake, you know? Yeah. Like, that's, like, what people seem to be taught uh-huh. coming into the world, and, um, and it's just funny because it's, like, for, like, why my parents lecture me all the time, you know? I mean, like, <laughs> you can't just lecture me and expect me to not make a single mistake in life, Yeah. Right? Like, I think that the intention means well yes but it's impossible for me to learn without burning my hand exactly you know and that's the scary part we're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna be sad or you know upset about something that happened to us but looking back like we're gonna learn so much more we're gonna become resilient yeah and sometimes I just like to think like, okay, this sucks right now, but in five years, how am I going to feel about it? You're going to forget about yeah, it. Yeah. Like really, we're going to, yeah, we can't remember everything that happens in life. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, that's essentially what resilience is in a way, right? Yeah. Like, trial and error is not a bad thing. Trial exactly. and error is literally how you figure out, that's how you figure out in the first place, like not to touch a hot stove, right? Like right. not to touch a cactus. Like some things you just need to learn through they're doing mm-hmm. um cuz just thinking about it is not the same exactly yeah and this talk of career changes it doesn't discredit those who who continue working in the right. same job the same work for 40 50 years like yeah. i think this is just bringing to conversation and awareness that people have different lifestyles and right. preferences some people can work you know 9 to 5 job 40 hours a week like for same company, same same job, but there are other people who share our experiences of feeling, you know, not very satisfied with a specific job and trying out new things. And both lifestyles are completely okay. It's just figuring out what works with you. Yeah. That's a good call out. I think you're right. Like for people who did know exactly what they wanted to do before Mm -hmm. they went to college and then committed to that, for the rest of their life, like, you know, I think that's another example of being great too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, not everyone has the fortune to be able to do that, but for those who had already had a level of self-awareness, right, and, like, lucked out with picking the thing that really works for them, I think that is great, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like the point that you made about just, like, you have to figure out what works best for you, and... Also, just realizing that if you aren't that example that we just gave, that does not mean you're a failure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There there are no mistakes. There are no failures. You're simply learning, and mm-hmm. you're becoming better. Yeah, like, what do you do when these obstacles arrive, right? It's more about... Yeah. It's less about what the obstacle is and more about how do you deal with it. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Great discussion, Alvin. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my podcast. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for listening to my podcast, What About OT? Keep posted on my next episode. Hit Bye. The like button, subscribe. Hit subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>